the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is another episode of Dreams Not Memes. Today, I'm here with my friend Leela Gilday. She is from the Northwest Territory and is an indigenous person and songwriter who speaks and sings from the heart about the people and the land that created her. Today, we're going to talk to Leela about her journey. How's it going, Leela? Great. Danete, everyone. So good to be here with you. And uh, thanks for having me, Brian. Anytime, anytime. So how did you get involved in music? Well, I was born into a musical family. Uh, My dad is a musician. My mom is a great lover of music. And they raised both my brother and my sister and I uh, all singing and playing. And yeah, that was essentially how I, I, I've been singing before I could learn to read. And um, yeah, I grew up in a very, very small um, dog rib town outside of Yellowknife. So Chinchon town of like 200 people until I was five. And so I was immersed in like traditional Dene music, Dene drum dance and tea dance, but also my dad is like a symphonic trombone player and a big band trombone player and a composer. Um, my mom's mom was always really into like old time classic country music. And um, we just had and folk songs like, and you know, folk both of Canada and the US from um, Stan Rogers to Joan Baez. And like, so I had a very wide palette of music in, in my ears since I was a, a baby. Um, And then I was drawn to the stage. I started performing at the age of eight. Uh, My solo career started at at the age of eight. And uh, I just always found um, inspiration in music um, in in a way that no other art form has been able to allow me to express myself. True, true. And that, that explains a lot of like the cultural influence as well as like the diversified sound in your recordings. Would you say like your neighborhood or your community was musical or was it strictly your family or was it like a combination of both? That's a really good question, actually. I um, I mean, primarily my family, but I think if you look at the idea of music and I'm doing air quotes for those who are listening to this audio recording um, in, in community, in Dene communities, um, the idea of having like performers versus audience is not, it's a bit more fluid than that in traditional music. So, um, like traditional music is comprised of like three different sort of things. One is drum dance music. One is, uh, love songs. That's a solo kind of art form. And then, um, hand game songs and all of those things, Everybody in the community, well, for, for drum dance songs, it's strictly men who, dr- who drum and play, but everybody dances. It's a very um, communal experience versus like an audience on a, in, in the audience and a performer on the stage, which I've always found is an, an artificial separation. I really believe that the voice and music is our like birthright as people. Um, so I would say I came from a musical community in a way. I hear, I hear. And where along in your journey did performing turn into, I want to start touring outside of Northwest Territories? Yeah, well, um, it was a long journey. I actually went into opera. Um, So I started performing at the age of eight, more like folk songs, and that grew throughout my 
um, uh, teenage years. But at, when I was about 14, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do in post-secondary because my parents super supportive, like whatever. They're like, you can do anything. And uh, so I, I was like, I think I want to study music. And I thought, you know, to study music, I was like, I think I want to go into opera. So I, I started training in that um, genre and went into opera school, had an amazing time, but uh, I decided to um, kind of, I wasn't hearing the voice, the create in my own, my own creative voice or like my own reality as a Dene woman or a Northerner reflected in the music that I was, um, that I was singing. So I went into songwriting um, probably around the age of 11, but really only seriously at the age of 21. So um, I guess performance, like as a career, it started, I think I always knew that I wanted to pursue music as a, as a career. Um, when it actually happened was more around the age of like 25 when I released my first record. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that you, you bring up, you know, your culture and identity how does, you know, your culture and community influence the topics of what you write? I think it's just inherently reflected in my writing. I, mm. I mean, I can't separate myself from how I walk in this world. So the way that I relate to my land, like my territory, is a very, like, from a Dene worldview, we're not separate from the land. So... The land is what feeds us and, and holds us, sustains us, and we treat her in a certain way as well. So, and then also the, so the power of the land, the idea of healing, you know, as an Indigenous person, um, we've been through an extreme amount of colonial trauma. And so healing, if you want to move forward as an individual, as an Indigenous individual, it's really important to focus on healing yourself and sort of decolonizing. So all of those themes are present in my music. And I think just because I, I don't know what else I would write about like these, I mean, I write about everything in my experience, which is as a songwriter, what you're supposed to do, just write what you know, you know? And so these are the things that I know and they, and they come out in, in my, uh, in my songwriting. I appreciate that so much. Uh, you know, I grew up in a mixed family and my grandfather, he was like uh, Cherokee. And he, he shared a lot of stories with me and took me to powwows and introduced me to other uh, family members. And, like, I always remember being told, like, no matter what you do, you have to live with what you know and what you have. And a lot of what you just shared with me, like, reminds me of that. And I think as a songwriter, like, musician to musician, a lot of times, like, we're told to create characters or write from a specific angle but I think sometimes the best songwriting is natural songwriting when you're talking from the heart and singing from the heart. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's really important. And as I, as a songwriter, you know, I've been doing this like 27 years now, um, like writing my own songs for yeah, 27 years, but um, I've really grown from those exercises, like those songwriting exercises, but I've always found that the songs that really hit people the hardest that, or that they relate to and they're like, this song changed my life or, you know, this really resonated with me are always the songs where I'm being my authentic self and like mm -hmm. really communicating that. I, you know, there's, there's so many beautiful 
uh, aspects of a story song and creating characters. I think that can really touch people as well. But in my lived experience, it's my songs that are really, that I'm the most closely connected to that resonate the, the strongest with others. Completely understandable. Let's take a quick break and learn more about your story and some things that you've worked on in your career. Quick message. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Dreams.Memes. Please make sure to follow Dreams.Memes podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on Instagram at Dreams.Memes podcast. To support Dreams.Memes podcast, feel free to contact me at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, now we're back. So for those that don't know, where does Dene occupy in, in Canada? And how has that related to your life experiences? So we're the indigenous people of the North, sort of, um, you would call our language group like an Athapaskan language group. So it starts kind of like in Alaska, across, you know, across the same latitudes into the Yukon, into Northwest Territories, the Northern parts of BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba have also have different Dene nations. Um, our homeland uh, in the Northwest Territories, we call it Denon Day. So it's Northwest Territories is like the colonial name for Denon Day. Um, and that is like, we're a very particular group of Dene. And I think that's, evolve from like we may have been more unified in the past but it just seems to have resulted those colonial borders have impacted how our nations have functioned just like how um you know colonization impacted like the chief system or whatever like there's a lot of changes that have taken place since contact so um but that but our people also um are we're related to the navajo the apache um in a, in a language uh, sense, they're also Athapaskan speaking. And there, it's really interesting because there's a story that we have in Denende about, I think it's from the Klicho Nation, the Dogrib Nation, um, about uh, an ancient war that happened and where half the people went to a stronghold and were like, and survived the war and half the people migrated south and disappeared and were never heard from again and I kind of feel like when I traveled down I've spent quite a bit of time in the southwest so I've been to like New Mexico like 10 times I love Arizona and um, and when I was in Arizona and, and I went to um, uh, Chinle in the on the Navajo nation like the Diné nation um, they have a creation story where they come up from like the fourth world which is dark and cold and I'm like Oh, this is so interesting. <laughs> I would never presume to tell them where they come from, but I, th- I just thought it was an interesting coincidence that we have like stories that kind of say that maybe we are from the same people and just separated years and years ago. True, true. I, and I love that you, you like you say that um, 
just because I, I think, and I mean, there's so much I need to learn about Native history in general, uh, despite what my grandfather has shared with me, but just understanding the relations of the different tribes across the U.S. and, you know, North America and South America, mm-hmm. like granite were, you know, labeled as different. A lot of us are just the product of moving from one area to another area and have a lot more similarities than people realize. I think you can really see, you know, the similarities in the language group mm-hmm. and specifically, and then in some of the um, spiritual ceremonies and things like that, that would be similar, even if groups were separated by hundreds of years. So true. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> true, true. I like that you mentioned that you've been writing original music for, for 27 years. How have you maintained longevity throughout your career? I don't know. I love music, I guess. <laughs> That's how. I just love, um, you know, what I, what I explained earlier about writing my own music, responding to that inner like creative voice and that being so important to me that has remained important for me to tell my own authentic stories. And I'm really proud to represent, like be an, a musical ambassador from the Dena Nation. Um, so those things have kind of continued throughout my life um, or throughout my music career because I've faced a lot of obstacles, like just, you know, things that every other musician faces as well as the, the financial strife that you have to kind of go through when you're, paying your dues and um you know as an indigenous woman there's a there's like a ceiling as well and as a woman in the music industry as well so so there's been a lot of difficult times but honestly just being able to make music as as my calling as my as my job is so fulfilling it, that even though I've tried to quit a couple of times I keep on coming back <laughs> true 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 no no I, I completely hear that uh and I think a lot of musicians, especially ones that have like a discography behind them, can really relate to like, yeah, I tried to quit and then I ended up in the studio. So like, I can really <laughs> relate to that very heavily. Yeah. Um, and I also, you know what, for me, it, it really is important to, to tell my people's stories. And um, I look out there, one of the most fulfilling times that I have is when I see like young Dene women or girls just like looking at me and having a realization that a their voices are important too and b that it's possible to you know to hear them heard on a on a much larger platform surely i want to talk to you more about music and and cultural preservation because your music is an intersection of genre and your experiences based on what i heard one from like a touring perspective slash like space perspective, do you ever seek spaces where other indigenous people may occupy or attend or do you mix it up? Like, how do you, like, how does storytelling play as a part of your live performance? Yeah. Um, that's an excellent question. I, I will. Okay. So for where I tour, normally I'm I tour festivals and soft seat theaters. That's those sorts of venues. Um, they're really family friendly usually, and for Indigenous people, we always want to bring our families along uh, with us, including kids and whatever. Um, 
I always reach out to the presenter and encourage them to reach out to the local Indigenous community and invite them. That doesn't always happen. Um, I always I always do my own promotion as well and reach out to my network and say, hey, can you come out to my show? Um, because for me, it's really important to be to acknowledge the territory that you're a visitor in, a guest in. Um, you know, and I and I this practice of land acknowledgement that's been happening more recently, I think it's really great. I've been doing it for years and years because that's the right thing to do. Um, because I am a guest on like I on the territory that I'm not from, you know. Um, so it's not just non-Indigenous people that should be practicing that, but we practice it as well. Um, I think like for me, I I don't I really appreciate when there's other Indigenous people in the audience and it kind of changes the vibe a little bit um, because when it's a fully non-Indigenous audience, like when we tour in Europe or whatever, um, there is a lot more sort of backstory that you need to tell and sort of um, an educational component um, because it's because I want people to know where I'm truly from and where the stories truly come from. So. I, I can't say that I prefer one or the other, but there's maybe a bit more ease when there's a larger Indigenous presence in the audience. True, true. And, and I didn't really mean to imply preference, but more so, uh, was that a place of focus for you anytime in your career? Because, like, I know as a musician that visits varieties of topics, and also just from past conversations with other uh, folks from different communities, like, at one end, you could say, like, all right, this tour, I want to visit this topic because my album is about, you know, uh, living in a colonialism-driven society because a lot of people think we're in a post-colonialism uh, No, we're not. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know if you could tell, but I cringed even saying that because we're not, you know? Um, or, like, I have an album that's about, like, racism and gentrification. So, like, there's certain communities I want to sing to. So. Yeah. That's that's the perspective I was coming from when, when asking. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And definitely, I think what what I what jumped out to me with what you were saying was um, a few years ago we had this commission, this national commission that um, called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and they studied or not studied. It was a group of people who toured our entire country and hearings. Um, had hearings where people who attended residential school would come and tell their story of, you know, abuse, like sexual abuse, or like there was experiments done on kids, but lots of kids were killed. Like there was a lot of, um, it was a genocide. So this commission traveled all over the country and they did have these national events. And one thing that I wished was that when I went, because I performed at two of these events, because they would have the hearings during the day, and sometimes at the end of the um, hearing, like the, that week or whatever, they would have a concert for the survivor, like to honor the survivors, so get together, listen to some music, like just be, cultivate a sense of healing and love. I noticed at the hearings that there were almost no non-Indigenous people, like no, almost no settlers were there. And that was so hard for me because I thought, well, yes, it's important for us to tell our truths and for our own community to hear our stories, but the people that really need to hear these stories who have like this preconceived notion of a history of Canada in their minds because it's what they were taught, they need to hear what the actual history of this country 
was and because our families lived it, you know? Anyway, so so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's important to reach those people that need to be to, that need to hear those songs too. True, true. And do you see yourself as like an activist in any way? Because like I've always believed that songwriters are the storytellers of their own experiences and also the experiences of people that can't share it. So like, do you see yourself that way? Absolutely. I absolutely see myself as, you know, I won't say I'm the voice of the people because that's like something that I can't say. Other people have to say that about me. True. Um, But I try hard to tell the stories that I know need to be told in a powerful, uplifting and empowering and like, educational way too you know I like also it's about things that matter to me like on a deep level right I I write about the connection to the environment I wrote a song called Rolling Thunder that was inspired that's on this last record that was inspired by the protests at uh, Standing Rock and how those people and we've protested for years like as Indigenous people we're the guardians of the environment like that's our one of our chosen roles I don't know. I, I I thought that song and I have many more kind of celebrating those sorts of actions. And then also um, drawing, a, shining a light on the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls issue and for, murdered and missing Indigenous men for that matter. Um, just the kind of, uh, yeah, those, those things that really touch me, that really like matter to me because they happened to my family and friends. That's what I'm writing about. And that is inherently activism. And, and, you know, I mean, in addition to like the actual, like I've run events for Wet'suwet'en and like, I do, I consider myself an activist for sure. Yeah. My music is definitely, um, definitely not just to enjoy, like, I'm just, you know, so Zen out too. And I was also listening to that song right before we we, we got into this interview. Oh, so cool. This is all coming full circle. Yeah. When you were referring to the indigenous people who have been, you know, missing, were you referring to, I believe it's called the trailway or highway of uh Tears. Of Tears. I spoke to someone from who's based in Yukon, Paris Pick, who's a musician. Yeah. And we discussed that, um, but we didn't discuss like how big of an issue that is. So the Highway of Tears yeah. is just one um, one highway where several Indigenous women and girls have gone missing or have been murdered. Wow. This happens all over North America. In Canada alone, there are over 3,000 murdered or missing Indigenous women whose cases have not been solved or like it's an epidemic and... So, so much so that there was an inquiry that started that, um, you know, our previous prime minister denied that it was an epidemic and this prime minister has, you know, has accepted that that's the case. But yeah, no, it's, it's happens in the States too. It's that indigenous women are some of, we're like, just because of the color of our skin, just who we are one in four Indigenous women will be murdered or go missing in our lifetimes. And that's just how it is. That's just the statistic. So it's like a, it's an issue that I've sung about and spoken about for many, many years. Um, You know, there's a lot of, it's a very complicated issue. Um, 
to do with race and class and how lives are valued. And, um, and I think there's a connection to the environment as well. So violence upon the environment is related to violence upon indigenous women. There's lots of related um, things like man camps and like in extractive industries like that contribute to this epidemic. So it's, yeah, it's, it's something that um, I find it really important to speak about and to shine a light on. Thank you for sharing that. Cause uh, I also spoke to uh, an indigenous woman in, in Nunavut and we were talking about how the Canadian government needs to do more on the education side of cultural preservation uh, mm -hmm. of language because there's 27 languages uh, in Canada that are indigenous and none of them are funded. So not only that's an issue, but now you're sharing this issue with me. And I'm almost of the presumption that the government, as well as the people, need to advocate for more protections and rights for Indigenous people in Canada as a I whole. Think there's over 60 Indigenous languages. I don't think Oh, so it's even more. Yeah, but, okay. and, and there's, I mean, there's different scenarios in different provinces and territories. In Denende, we have 11 official languages. Mm. So there is like, there is money to, um, for language preservation. There's programs for land language preservation and that's the right thing. So, gotcha. but actually that's funny you mentioned that um, because that's uh, exactly what my next album is about. I'm actually writing my next album all in my own language even though I didn't grow up speaking my language. So that's, to me, this whole pandemic has just put a bead on like, okay, what's important to you, Leela? And like, what is it that you, you know, because as, as musicians, sometimes we can kind of go down the rabbit hole and just like navel gaze. But for me, I was like, what is important and special? And it really came down to, I want to relearn, I want to learn my language and to express stories from that worldview. So my collaborators, I'm working with four different language slash songwriting collaborators. We're starting in the language. We're not writing in English and then translating. We're starting in the language and then working backwards to like educate me, but so that I know what I'm singing. But the stories are all, you know, traditional language forward, Dene language forward. I, I'm first, I'm going to steal that word, navel gazing. I'm totally stealing <laughs> that. Secondly, mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time I heard it. <laughs> that's the first thing. Yeah. Secondly, what's the learning curve been like? Because I know like in some communities, like vocal teachers usually teach like arias in Italian and, you know, that that's one thing, but you're building songs around, you know, your native language. What's that been like for you? Um, it's been amazing. It's been a labor of love. It's been very difficult because, um, of course, there's a lot of emotional labor for me attached to that. Um, the fact that my that I was never taught my language because my mom went to residential school and was taught, even though she speaks our language and she didn't speak English till she was ten. Um, in residential school, she really was kind of taught that English would be best and that maybe to teach the kids just English. So 
of course, we know that's not true. The more languages you teach kids, the better, the more neurons they fire and like the smarter they are. So um, anyway, that, but healing that wound, like that legacy of, of colonial trauma, like that's been challenging, but it's also been very rewarding. And I'm loving the songs that I, I'm just so grateful to my collaborators and like, also the Canada Council gave me a grant to do this record. And that's like a, that's afforded me a lot of breathing room and to be able to pay my collaborators well. I think that's really important to recognize like work like that properly. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, it's been, I'll let you know how it goes when it's done. <laughs> oh, I, I would love to listen like 100%. <laughs> So please, and, I'll, and of course, we'll share it on, on my mailing list and everything like that. But I also want to take it further. Like, other than the language being different, has it also been kind of a relearning musically? Because, you know, across cultures, music is also played differently. So have you also been changing the way that you're arranging the music with the melodies as a result of it being a different language? That's a good question. I, I think... I'm using some of my similar pathways that I normally do, mm -hmm. but I think those are heavily influenced by Denim music to begin with, by rhythmically gotcha. like, and uh, melodically. I think I, I, yeah, I've really internalized a lot of what I was exposed to when I was a little girl and grown up around since then. Um, there is one style of music, the Etsula, the love songs that I mentioned earlier that I will be including, which is a different style of music from what I normally play. So that's going to be a bit of a departure and that's that's going to be a learning curve. I haven't started on those yet, but that'll be extra challenging. Gotcha, gotcha. And when do you plan to release or is this just a work in progress and you right haven't now, thought about releasing I'm just yet? in the writing process and, uh, gotcha. and hopefully, I'm hoping I can record later this year and then release it by 2020 end of end of 2022 gotcha i hear that i definitely hear that you also have toured around the world um what has it been like to share your story in relation to the rest of the world and how's that giving you more insight towards your identity it's so cool because it's so different everywhere and i like I have to, you know, and my stories are received differently in different places. I think there's, you know, in some places like in Greenland or whatever that it's like familiar to them. When I went to Australia, you know, I remember I opened one song by saying it's minus 50 in Den and Day and they literally all laughed their heads off. As if I was like telling a fiction because it does get down to minus 50 in my territory, but I'm sitting there in the middle of Darwin in, in August and it's plus 34. <laughs> and, and then in, uh, in Germany and Austria, like, honestly, they, they have such a, like, a, they really love indigenous people and they have such an interest in like, <laughs> I don't know, for some reason they're like, oh. I would like to know your story. So they, yeah, so it's just been really different everywhere. And I think, I guess it's just learning how to tell my story from different, different facets of my story and what people will, will relate to, but it's all a part of the whole. True, true. And are there any creative goals, like 
while you're also like you know working on this album that you have that are outside the box or inside the box that you hope to achieve in your future whether that means you know going on another tour playing in a place that you haven't played in collaborating on an album etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah well I have two things actually that um one is that this past year I was invited to sing um, as a part of the Messiah which is an opera that's you know familiar to Christians who celebrate you know Christmas and it's all about that kind of like the resurrection and all that kind of stuff I'm not Christian myself but I but it's a it's a beautiful piece of music but the um, director invited us like the people who who soloed to choose an aria and to do with it what we wanted to and including changing the meaning like whatever we wanted to so I changed all the words and then I got my mom and auntie to help me translate it into Denike and sung it like this aria in, in my language. And that's the first time that that's ever happened anywhere. So I actually wouldn't mind like pushing my, that was a huge challenge. I wouldn't mind pushing myself to just kind of look at that kind of um, operatic fusion again, not necessarily the Messiah, but you know, in another way. And then the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm working with um, this social distancing festival, which is a collaboration between some artists in the States and in Canada. Um, they paired me up with this amazing visual slash multidisciplinary artist from Boston uh, named Tran Vu. And um, she and I are creating a collaborative work that'll be presented on, on the website, the social distancing website. And I've never like collaborated with a visual artist before. I'm super excited, like how we're gonna do this. So. Those are some goals. I, I want to tour again, um, you know, not to the extent that I was doing before because it was quite extensive. And like, I was, I was away from home a lot, missed my family um, a lot. So I, I think a lot of musicians have made that realization this year that they don't want to have that many, like make that kind of personal sacrifice anymore and be a bit more balanced. And I also want to like destroy the not destroy, but disrupt the the system that's like the industry is so patriarchal and so misogynistic and so capitalist and like I just want to give everybody a hand up and have our our economy built on community in some way, you know. So those are my goals. I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned community because you know outside of music and, and arts, I do have a business background. And I think the biggest flaw of capitalism as well as socialism is it works on an exchange that's based on an inauthentic value. And I think we really need to like change the conversation on purpose, meaning, and community because that's how people work. That's how they always have worked, uh, no matter what form of government uh, you have. And when it comes to music, especially on the topic of storytelling and, and, and culture as we're talking about, if music was driven more about the meaning and purpose it gives to others, I think a lot of us would be a lot less stressed and a lot more fulfilled. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, I'm not saying like down with music that has no meaning because all music has meaning. Yes. What I'm saying is like, if we spread the distribution of how we organize and share music with each other, a lot more people would be able to eat, um, and I mean that fiscally speaking, and a lot more people would be able to actually experience music, because I think the way things are now, 
people are focused on like what's the fastest song you could make to get the most streams and if your song doesn't get to like x amount of streams in six weeks it's no longer relevant go on to the next song and and all of these like false like anxieties and stresses about music that takes away all the culture and i and i hope people such as yourself myself dismantle and call out to what about the culture and the whole reason why we're playing these notes and melodies and harmonies in the first place yeah i think it's so i mean first of all i think it is important to have an economy of of music so having that um that business and commerce model but i think the model is flawed and you see that especially now the margins are widening between the between who makes money in music and who doesn't like the it's it's getting more and more difficult to be an artist i've i've been this last year i've been mentoring three different um well one group in from toronto and then a couple of young gender women from yellowknife and i just like i feel like it's so challenging to be a young artist coming up right now and i've I've just thought, so every interview that I do, every kind of panel I'm on, I'm like, let's help out the younger, younger artists, like mentor somebody. And if you as an established artist can do that, that will actually like boost you as well. Like it's, uh, you know, acting in community is so important because that's, we are creatures of community. That's, there's no, and, and yeah, that, that ideology is so flawed when it, when it comes to, um, you know, making, making your living on money or making your living on music strictly on a monetary basis and not recognizing values, value in other areas, you know? I, I love that you put it that way. And, and that's exactly what I was trying to say. Cause it's like, you know, and, and, I, and sometimes I joke around and say, maybe Ash Ketchum did this because Ash Ketchum wanted to be the best. And like, I found out about Pokemon when I was 12 and now I'm 32 and maybe that's what it was. But then I'm like, no, it's always been this way. It's always been about let's compete to be the richest as opposed to how can we all help each other? Because in the end of the day, we're all works in progress trying to create something new to help the next person. I love that. I think that's really beautiful. So um, this has definitely been a really good episode of Dreams Not Memes. I would like to ask you if someone wanted to become a musician today, what would you say to them in one or two sentences? You know, it, it would be the same thing as I always tell people when they ask me, because that is a question that a lot of, especially young people ask me. I tell them to play just if you, the, the biggest, the biggest reason to make music your career is because you love music. And in order to cultivate your skills, you just have to play, 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 play for people, play other people's music, like just hone your craft and really find engagement and enjoyment in making that music and in, you know, creating that music. And hopefully, you know, you'll find some traction where other, your voice will resonate with others, you know? Well, thank you. This has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Out Memes. Links will be in the description to follow Leela's journey. And thank you for your time. Musty Cho, Brian, it's been great to speak to you. You as well.
Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. If you'd like to support this podcast, email at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.